You know, that's what made the Freddie Freeman situation a little bit more palatable for me, I should say, because Olsen's younger and we signed about an eight year. I don't see think there's anything wrong with those eight years, guys, to be honest with you. Like yeah. if you can get in and out of there for these eight year contracts, that seems advantageous to the player and to the team, in my opinion. Like they both get more bites at the apple. And I think Caleb brought up a good point in the sense that you don't want to get stuck with a guy. And that wasn't even an aspect that I was thinking about, but that's something that very much happens, right? You get yeah. just stuck with a guy that maybe can still put the butts in the seats, signing autographs as the fan guy, but not give you the contributions on the field that you're looking for, you know? This is Fried Chicken Dingers. Seven hosts. Seven teams. All, all the, the baseball. baseball. All right, everybody. Welcome to another episode of Fried Chicken Dingers. I am Paskey, along with my co-host Caleb. And today we've got a very, very special guest. Our first guest ever. Well, that's not true. Our first official guest ever <laughs> on this podcast. Uh, please welcome Reggie Johnson from Atlanta. He is the co-host, or co-host I should say, of the Just Stats podcast. Where um, Maybe I'll let you talk a little bit about that, Reggie. Sure. Um Reggie Johnson, glad to be here with you guys. Um, Just the Stats is a sports podcast I started uh, about roughly, I'm going to say three years now, three years ago. I was doing another show called Reg and ATL, but my other co-hosts on that show have no clue about sports and they don't care about it. So I needed an outlet to talk sports with people who are like like-minded. I think I talked to you about that, Pascal, also when I sent you the message, like, you can't have a show that's about a billion things. So you got to find like different outlets for these conversations. So uh, just the stats was my outlet for sports and I'm glad to be here talking baseball with you guys, man. Yeah. So um, yeah. In case for those of you who are new listening, uh, our fried chicken dinners podcast, we're a team of seven and each of us follows or is a fan of a different team. So my team is the Oakland athletics. Uh, Caleb. Man, Oakland days, huh? Yeah. Um, I'm a fan of the New York Yankees. Oh man, of course. I mean, that's that's yeah, the privileged existence guy on the on the exactly. on the show here. That's amazing. <laughs> yes, sir. And uh, you like? I think you told us that you're a, you're an Atlanta Braves fan. I'm a right? homer, man. I really love the Braves for sure. Braves, my yeah. team, lifelong Braves fan. Now I'm not going to get into it uh, this episode, but I do have to ask how you feel about having Olson instead of Freeman. <sighs> man, it hurts, man. It hurts yeah, a little bit. Yeah. Like it hurts a little bit only because Freeman's a 300 hitter, man, and and. We Olsen fortunately is riding a, a home strung, a home run streak right now. So it's right now it feels great <laughs> because he's hitting home runs every game. But um seeing a homegrown guy like Freeman leave is uh bittersweet for sure. I definitely wish we could have yeah. held on to him. Yeah, man, it's a, it's a shame. It is. But uh sometimes that's just how the sport is. I mean it it, it could work out maybe in the long run, but just the we discussed it also previously. Just the uh, like the the hometown, the hometown kid. You know, it's a bit of a, it's more than just the stats at that point. Yeah. It's also yeah, it's also the sure. character of the guy that you want in your team. But um, yeah, so let's just jump right into it. We've got a few things on the uh, on the docket today. We're gonna the trade deadline recently passed, and there were some pretty big moves there. Um, first, I think we're gonna touch upon the. Yankees who are looking to push for a World Series ring, it seems like. Maybe, Caleb, since this is your team, you want to cover what happened in the deadline, how you feel about that. Yeah, sure. Um, so, oh, man, this is actually just off the top of my head. But Yankees <laughs> had some serious needs at the deadline just due to injuries and, um, I guess, um, underperforming players. So I, what they really 
truly needed was basically another probably outfield bat um, who would collect hits, and then they needed someone for the bullpen and someone for their starting rotation. So they um, ended up dealing for Scott Efres of the Chicago Cubs for the bullpen help, and um, they get him for the next five years, but they gave up their number five prospect to it's supposed to be pretty good. So I think it's a pretty good deal for both sides. Um, and then they also got um, Frankie Montas and Lou Trevino from the Oakland A's um, to help the rotation and bullpen more. Trevino has been really good in years past, but um, this year he struggled quite a bit with like a 6.7 ERA or something. Wow. Um, yeah. And then, but then Montas has been an exceptional starter with an ERA around three. Um, and they get him for the next year and a half, I think. So that's awesome for them. And then, and then they also got Andrew Benatendi from um, the Kansas City Royals. Um, and yeah, I think it was just, that was just a contact bat that the Yankees really needed to replace the struggling Joey Gallo. And um, yeah, and then the they had a really good deadline in a lot of people's eyes. Um, the one really strange thing that happened was right at the end of the um yeah just i guess right at the end of the deadline like 10 minutes before it was supposed to expire they end up sending their one of their bottom of the rotation starters toward montgomery who's like 25 to um the st louis cardinals for harrison bader for another outfielder um and a lot of people felt that that really like um I guess it hurt them after they'd done so well for themselves at the deadline. Like they addressed every need. They got guys for reasonable prices. And then when they made this really weird move where they needed starting pitching and they got another pitcher, but then they also dealt away one of their, I mean, he was a bottom of the rotation guy, but he's a little bit Jordan Montgomery was quite good for the Yankees this year. And it's just, it's hard to deal someone like that when you need more arms as people are going down with injuries so um, especially for Bader, who's hurt and won't be back till like at least September. And um, he's supposed to be really, really exceptional defensively, but he's not going to provide much with the bat. So, um, yeah, it was a, a little bit of a confusing deadline, I guess, but still addressed a lot of needs um, trying to improve. Um, and I mean, the Yankees have been really struggling lately, so it's going to be hard to tell if these will pay off, but we'll see. Yeah, I think it's interesting also that you sent or you sent Gallo to the Dodgers. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. move as well. Yeah, yeah, man has been struggling like Gallo. Uh, it's you, you know you kind of wonder what the front the, the LA front office kind of saw in that move. <laughs> yeah, I know. Yeah, and that, I guess that's another thing I should say. Yeah, then they dealt Joey Gallo to the Los Angeles Dodgers for for a prospect. <laughs> so like for a pretty good prospect, it's like all right. Um, Dodgers took a flyer on him, but I mean it was kind of predictable. So now he's like hitting really well for them, of course. And like I don't know, just I guess maybe just need to get out of New York. But whatever, weird deadline, but that's what happened. You know, with, with the with the Yankees, I feel like because you know, one of the things that we have said in, in the notes is like this is another World Series push. I feel like that's perpetual for the Yankees. It's a privileged existence that you live as a Yankees fan. Yeah. Their last losing season was 30 years ago. There were some people who weren't even alive mm-hmm. to see. There's some people who've never seen a losing season for the Yankees in their entire life. You know, yeah. and that's just such a privileged yeah. existence. Um, so I feel like no matter what move they make there, I mean – I'm not giving Cashman complete benefit of the doubt, but I, 
I trust it. Like when, how do you knock those results in comparison to what people are getting around, around the league, you know? Yeah. Yeah, that's true. I think, uh, I mean, if I remember correctly, last season was a bit of a roller coaster for the Yankees in terms of the regular season with all the, with the Rays doing a lot better than they are this year. And yeah. Um, the, the Blue Jays also uh, were exceptional when, with, uh, with Vladdy Jr. So uh, it seems like this year, you know, is kind of like the year, although maybe recently we're starting to see a little bit of, I don't know whether it's fatigue or just kind of a, a colder streak as it happens in baseball. I mean, it's such a long yeah, season, exactly. but um, yeah. they, they don't look as invincible as they did earlier. Still about 70 over 70 wins. Right. So that's, that's what we got to talk about your Yankees fan. We got to be like, Hey man, you guys are, you right. guys needed to get yeah. together, man, at 70 yeah. wins. I know. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> it's just funny because, like, obviously, as a Yankees fan, like, it's ever, everyone's like, oh, of course, you know, you got to, this guy. And yeah, obviously, there's a super privilege of distance. You're right. They haven't lost in what, 28 years without a losing season. It's incredible. It really is. Incredible. Um, but then everyone, like, knocks on them for, like, oh, you haven't made the World Series in like 13 years. And it's like, <laughs> the Mariners haven't made the postseason since 2001, you know? And like, I don't know. <laughs> It's just like, it's just funny because it's like the Yankees are, you know, like it's like they help, they almost, and their fans hold themselves to such a high standard that it's like, you know, now that, now that we're not on pace to win 120 games, everyone's <laughs> like, oh my gosh, the team's horrible. We suck. Like we're struggling, man. And we're 30 games above 500, you know, right. 10 games up in the division. Like it's like, it's all right. You know, it's, it's still, it's still, it's still something to enjoy. For sure. Yeah. Yeah, I mean the A's. I can't say anything about them in the at the deadline. They're they're just it's this year does shouldn't count really. It's just yeah. uh, we're getting rid of everyone. Hopefully the prospects that we're getting in return kind of uh, you know um, make it worthwhile. I mean, are the A's playing this year? I had to go pretty much far down my, my yeah list all the way down where the, the A's were even at. You guys participating this year? I see. Yeah, just participating. That's all. We show up to the games. <laughs> Our fans don't show up at all. It's just the players. Yeah, it's just the players. Oh man. But um, yeah, we as expected, we we did give up Montes uh, and Trevino apparently to the Yankees, and so we kind of lost our season's ace. If Montes was our ace by by this point, I mean. So, uh, I can't really say much. I don't know, Reggie, if you had any notes about the Braves uh, deadline. Um, not not really. I mean, I like the fact that we signed the kid Austin Riley. And locked mm-hmm. him down. Um, I treated that kind of as like a free agent acquisition in the sense yeah. that we were able to lock him down for a significant amount yeah. of time. Um, yeah. But besides that, I just really like our team in general. Um, coming off of a World Series win, you know, there's there's times when you go through a significant slump, you know, and you're kind of mm-hmm. waiting yeah. for like, okay, what's next? And then Freeman leaving was a bummer. So kind of um, it's nice to see that uh, the kid Austin Riley coming up. I know Von Grissom. Um, is doing his thing. He just uh, last week, mm-hmm. first game, he's had like a four game hitting streak and I think he's only played four games. So it's, it's like, that's it, an amazing, amazing situation for him. Uh, yeah. So I really like the direction of our team, but it just seems like it's kind of deflating in a sense that you kind of come on when the Mets are coming on too. Like of all the years the Mets mm-hmm. are coming right. on, they're coming on the same year we're coming on and having yeah. the same division. Yeah. So that part sucks. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, on the bright side, though, you, I don't think you can ever really count Atlanta out. As good as the Mets are, yeah, Atlanta, I think they have a a real magic touch when it comes to the late season. Uh, late yeah, season I'm hoping miracles, so. so. Man, I hope so. Uh, we'll see. Uh, we'll see how that goes. But uh, I guess the uh, the meat, the main part of the main discussion of the trade deadline, the uh, Juan Soto, yeah, man, is no longer with the Nationals. 
Montreal now with the Padres, who also got Josh Bell in that trade. Incredible. Um, Another 300 hitter, right? Just yeah. just comes with the guy, like a buy one, get one. He just can't yeah, get exactly. Soto. Like, you know, it's crazy. And uh, as a side note, the Padres also got Josh Hader from the Brewers. That's a very solid closing piece. That's, that's yeah, on paper, that's an incredible, <laughs> incredible haul. So, um, yeah, I guess let's dive into that. Juan Soto, Padres. Yeah, you want me to go? You, you want? Yeah, uh, sure. Okay. So um, I feel like the Padres making this move got them kind of closer. I would say nipping at the feet of the Dodgers in the center for relevancy, not necessarily for record purposes, um, but for for relevancy purposes. Like you know, you have the Dodgers and they're destroying you in that state. Like so, they at least got a little bit closer here in terms of excitement. I felt this the same way that I felt like this is a this is a haul for the Padres getting much better, like kind of like overnight, you know? Yeah. So yeah. I I the Nationals look like they're going into complete rebuild status with this move. You know, like I don't I'm not sure what their timeline is looking like as far as relevancy is concerned. But I do think the Padres amazing move for the Padres um here to even from just a public perspective, just be looked at as a much better team. That's how what stars can mm-hmm. do for you, right? Like stars, Yankees look very different with no Aaron Judge there, like or no Derek Jeter throughout the years, and these stars that kind yeah. of can be the cornerstones of what a good team is. And I feel like the Padres got a major one. Soto, he's um, young. They can sign him to a, a long contract, not have any issues with that. He's already a World Series winner, contributor. So I don't – it, it kind of took all the oxygen out of the room for, for free agency as it tends to do in different sports, depending on who is being traded, where you will have one or two players taking up all the oxygen in the room. Yeah. And I feel like that's how it was here for Soto. Yeah, I definitely agree. It was by far the biggest move, the one everyone had their eye on. I mean, I think it was pretty clear that he was going to leave just, you know, not, not resigning another contract with the nationals. Um, yeah, I don't know what much else is there is to say. I mean, he's such a good player, <laughs> such right. a pure hitter, someone that you can rely on. <laughs> you know, there's no fear of like, you know, did we some sign someone who just had a hot, you know, a hot year and the next few years are just they're just gonna regress into um uh say a, a sub two fifty uh season. But Soto is consistent and consistently scary, <laughs> uh especially getting on base and the only thing, uh, as a as a Padres fan, I guess I would be, uh, if I were a Padres fan, I would be very optimistic. But there's always the Dodgers looming there in the division. Yes, always, <laughs> right? Always. There's a, yeah. there's a, that's that's, I don't know if I would say insurmountable, but that's a real wall to climb if you oh. want to win the division. And obviously, with the playoffs being expanded, there's that's maybe not as much of a, um, like a worry as as you know, as not playing, making playoffs, but you'd like to win the division. You'd like to be the best team in the NL West. Um, and obviously I think that's what they're going for, but the way the Dodgers are set up both now and for down the road with their depth, um, I think it'll be a really interesting two team race. <laughs> yeah. It's going to be wild card time for San Diego. It's going to be, yeah. it is. they're playing for the wild yeah. card every year. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Jail, we got anything? Yeah, I mean, I, I think it's interesting because with the whole Soto trade, it was like, you know, the Padres went almost immediately to Dodger Stadium and it was like, all right, here we go. <laughs> now they're going to be able to compete. You know, 
they've been without Tatis all year. You know, it's, it's like Machado's been carrying the team up to this point. You know, like, all right, all right now, now they got someone else who can help carry. Like, this will this will be a fun series. It'll be wild. It'll be great. And the Dodgers absolutely dominated them. And it's just like, I guess that's got to be so disheartening <laughs> for the Padres, like, organization, like, fans and coaches. Like, just like we finally have made some huge move. And it's like, well, things are largely still the same. So, I, I mean, like, I think it's great for them. And it's super exciting to get a player like Soto for at least two and a half years, if not for, you know, much longer uh, time. Um, it's crazy exciting. It's really fun. But, yeah, it just must be really hard, like, with having the Dodgers right there. It's like, you know, their manager guaranteed that they'd win the World Series this year. And you know, they've, they've won 12 games in a row. They've won nearly 80 games and lost, like, 30. Like, it's just they're they're doing so phenomenally well. It's yeah. pretty crazy. So, um, I, I mean, I think the Padres will probably do do pretty well in the postseason, but it's tough when you've got to play the Dodgers eventually and you haven't had much success against them at all with Soto, without Soto, with Tatis, without Tatis, you know, just <laughs> hard, to, hard to beat them. Do you guys think that the Padres are able to re-sign Soto? Because you, you make a, a trade like this, you got to hope so, right? Yeah. Honestly, I think so. I think the Padres have a good base of young players and star players. Um, I think it's an attractive place to be. I mean, sure, you got the Dodgers in your division, but that also adds kind of a – if I were a player like Soto, you know, you're going to yeah. take on anyone. <laughs> yeah, fast, <laughs> you know, yeah. Like you're going to go for it. They're going to go for that division title. And, and, and maybe not this year, but, you know, in the coming years, it's uh, – I think we're going to see a serious fight out of them. So I would think that they're going to be able to resign, be, to resign him. I don't know where else he would go uh, at this point, even like yeah. how the other big teams are kind of set up. Right. Yeah. I mean, I, I actually think the Padres might might struggle to resign him. I, I think they totally could. I just, I know they've got, you know, like $330 million committed to Machado and then 340 Ooh, to Tatis. Brutal. It's just like, and like, that's just a lot of average annual values, like adding to your payroll. So it's like, I don't, I, I mean, maybe they can, maybe they'll just stomach the blow. I, I don't know. But I think, I think the Dodgers will probably make a huge push oh, to sign, to sign him. Of they will. Out. Um, yeah, because it's the Dodgers. Um, and then the Yankees <laughs> will say they're in it when they're really not. And, um, you know, who knows? Maybe some surprise teams will be willing to give them, you know, crazy amount of money. So um, I think that it's possible. But I would say that I think another team might swoop in since the San Diego Padres have so many contracts committed already. But we'll see. Good. So you're at no guarantees there, Caleb, on your side. And there, there's no guarantees that the guy gets signed. So if you're a Padres fan and you're listening, Got about two years, according to Caleb, and he could be out of there. <laughs> yeah, I know. I mean, he could be. What's your take on that, Reggie? Um, I, I'm kind of in between in the, in the sense of uh, you both bringing up pretty, pretty good points, but I think the main point is the same point that people have with the Yankees. If there's any great player playing in the MLB, Mm-hmm. Yankees or Dodgers like it's going to be one of those things that's kind of yeah. like the, 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 where they end up landing at some point in their career you know what I mean so it's hard to go against that with a player of, of Juan Soto's caliber that he could because you know Padres small market team in comparison you know so if yeah. you want the big show you're going to have to go to New York or LA to to get that and I don't think that can be replicated in a lot of different markets so you have to be if you're Soto you have to be comfortable playing in a in a smaller market right um 
I think it's going to depend largely on what the team does. If the team just completely is horrible, why would you stay? Like, I'm gonna, yeah. I'd rather be horrible in LA than be horrible in San Diego. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> yeah, that's true. Do you guys think the uh, the Padres are pretty much set now, and it's just a matter of kind of everybody clicking at the same time, or do you think they're still missing lineup pieces? Because like with the Dodgers, I would say they're not really missing anyone right. <laughs> at this point. Everyone, Their lineup right. is just full yeah. on yeah. all star yeah. studded. With the Padres, I mean, you've got big names there. You've got Machado, Soto now, Tatis. Bell is a pretty good lock at first base. You've got, um, I don't know, the son of blanking on their uh, rotation, but I know there's some good. Oh, Darvish. <laughs> mm-hmm. Darvish, yeah. uh, Manaya. Um, I forgot his name. Joe something. Caleb? Yeah, Musgrove. Musgrove, Musgrove. Uh, and those other guys. But do you guys think that they still need to add more? Or is this kind of, they, they got to work with what they have now? I trust the bats. I don't know about the arms. I will have to look and see what the arms are, but the bats are loaded, right? You're, you're, you're good there. Um, but we, um, I'm a big proponent of rotation coming postseason. You're going to need it. You're going to yeah, need it. Um, and I don't, I don't trust it right now. I don't see enough names to trust that rotation postseason. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. That's I think that that's point. something that's interesting because I, I, I mean, if I'm being completely honest, I think the Padres are actually missing one more really solid bet because they were expecting to get Tatis back. Yes. And now they've got a huge hole there. And, you know, they yes. traded away C.J. Abrams to the Nats for um, expecting Tatis to come back. And now it's like now they kind of now they got to stick with Hassan Kim at short, who's not bad. It's just he's no Tatis. So it's right, like, right. Um, I think that I think that that if I had to pick one thing, maybe they're still missing you know, that, that bat that they were expecting, but they still have a phenomenal lineup. Um, and their rotation. Yeah. Like, you know, they've got some solid guys, but I think that pitching is so important. Like you see that with like the Nats winning the world series three years ago, just cause they, they just were able to shove Scherzer and Strasburg and their excellent right. bullpen down everyone's yeah. throats. And really that's how they won. Did it take them seven games sometimes? Yeah. But that pitching was so hard to top. And I think that's, I think that's the Mets huge strength right now, you know, like in years past, the Mets have really gotten to this point and then they, you know, fall off basically and just really struggle the rest of the way. But now this year they've got DeGrom and Scherzer um, and they're hoping that DeGrom's got all of, got all his injuries out of the way for the year since he seems to get those yearly. Um, But, you know, I, I just, that's, that's going to be tough. Like, and sure that's not their entire rotation. And I'm sure, They'll, they might struggle a little bit with other guys, but having just those two will help them so incredibly much. It's almost like it doesn't matter what who they who's in their lineup. If they all hit 250, it doesn't matter if you can you know, <laughs> run out to Grom and he only needs a run. You know, it's like yeah, that's, that's the true. thing. So I think that the Padres, like, yeah, they're set up very well. Um, I think I think they're gonna. I think they might find it a little hard in the postseason without everyone they were expecting in their offense, and then. They're, they're, I think they're a bullpen beside like they've got solid starters. They've got Josh Hader now as a closer, but I think getting to the, to the ninth inning might be a struggle for them this October. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I mean, there's nothing else on that. Speaking of, we've talked a little bit about, you mentioned Tatis now being out for yeah a while and horrible, horrible. Yeah. News. Reggie, you brought up uh, earlier, you brought up to us the topic of super contracts, which is, Actually, really interesting. We we and we haven't covered it on on this podcast yet, but it's uh it's very relevant and it's very apparent nowadays with all these uh, <laughs> these big big names. So uh, 
maybe you yeah. want to get us started on that. What are your, what's your thought on that? So I'm, I'm going to take that in two ways. I'll do it like in general and like the macro, and then I'll kind of tackle the Tati situation. Nice. Um, on the macro, I don't, I just don't like it. If, even if you just look in life in general, right? Life is very different from us for us now than it was just two to three years ago. Right yeah. now you look at that on a backdrop of 10 to 15 year contract. It just sounds ridiculous. Um, there are certain players like when we signed, when the Braves signed Austin Riley to that 10 year recently, it, the kid's mm-hmm. like what, 22, 23, you know, somewhere in there. I'm, I'm good. If you're going to be under 40 at the end of that contract, I'm, I'm, I'm for it. These contracts that are taking people into their early forties is ridiculous um, because I just don't see the value for the, for the team. I guess they're trying to get to lower annuals by spreading that out, you mm-hmm. know? And even when, um, when, Soto turned down the contract offer from the Nats or what they offered. I understood why. Cause I'm like, what's wrong with a 340, 350, 10 year contract? Because I think that he can get that. Like he doesn't have to go for the 440, 15, you know, when he can probably get less and then maybe have another bite at the apple a little bit yeah. uh, later on in yeah. his career. So I, it's hard for me to see teams getting ROI on those massively long contracts. You see more on the, the, the horrible side, right? Like, I like I enjoyed the fact that Paul Holtz was there at the home run derby. Uh, you know, he's getting all respect from the younger guys and all that stuff. Yeah. But he's one of the examples <laughs> that I have here of a massively right. long contract that just did not work out for the for yeah. the team. So I'm interested to see uh, what you guys think about these long contracts. And I guess we can talk about uh, Tatis. Yeah. You want to start, Pesco? Yeah, sure. I um. This is actually, I've never actually thought about it that much. I've always kind of just taken it for granted as in like, oh, you know, that's a big name. Sure, you want to lock them down as long as you can because once they hit free agency, I mean, you never know when you really like them, but they're doing really well. <laughs> you got to renegotiate a new contract and then you're in trouble, especially if you can't pay that. But sure. um, what you said about, you know, things change so quickly nowadays, even in a span of a few years and to base all those years, you know, 10, 15 years on the two to three years of someone's performance is really risky. It <laughs> and is. like you said, that risk is, I think it's likely not to pay off, but, um, and like, this isn't, I, I'm not sure what the solution is. I'm not sure if there is a solution because if everybody's giving out massive contracts and that raises the bar for other teams as well. Because now players are looking for, you know, hey, you know, I can get more, I can get more, which is, you know, this is fair. This that's what they're there to do. They're there to um to play and to make a living out of it. Um yeah. but just the risk of things that are unknown, and I'm going back to the Tati situation, you know, who that's not even that doesn't even have to do with his performance. And it's not that he's playing and he's started playing horribly. He's not playing at all. He's not on the field <laughs> he's and he's getting the money. <laughs> so um the more I think about it, the more I feel that it's not good for sport especially not for the clubs yeah yeah honestly i think it's tough because you see it we've seen it a lot in the last probably three or four years with teams um who are having these like generational talents come up like soto or acuna or tatis and or who like this year julio rodriguez and like every year, it feels like almost nowadays, there's at least someone. And if you don't like they're on a rookie deal for a little while, obviously, but it's a bit like if you don't tie them down with this like crazy huge extension, it feels like 
you're you're almost asking them to leave, I guess, because like I feel like every time there's you know a player comes up has a pretty awesome year, and they're like, okay, this guy, you know, it's a prospect that they've looked forward to for years, and he does really well his first year or well enough to be like, all right, we want to extend this guy. Um, I think then then they'll try to do it like when it's cheaper because if they let him have another superstar year or two his cost is only going to go up. So then yeah. like, I think then they'll immediately, you know, sign some guy to a 10, 13, 15 year deal, which is just a really long time. And um, I don't, I honestly don't know whether it's a good idea for teams to do that or not. Cause um, I think, I think that I'm more on board with it when um, it's a guy who's 22 and, or 20 like Soto. Absolutely. And yeah, it comes out of, you know, if you give him a 10, 15, 12 year deal, when it's, you know, he, you know, maybe for slightly cheaper for like, you know, 300, 280 mil, whatever it is. Um, and then, and then, and then like, let's say he has five great years, but then starts not doing as well or something like that. It's like, there's always the option to trade him down the road. And there's always like, I guess there's always, um, there's room, there's room to work with and you still get to keep your awesome player, I guess. But what I don't like is the, um, I guess guys like, Freddie Freeman this year, or um, or maybe DJ Lemayu um, two years ago, or was that a year? I'm, I don't quite remember, but um, just guys who are in their early to mid thirties, or even just late twenties, who are who are getting like you've said, Reggie, just these like then they're getting the same deal they maybe got when they were twenty, like you know right. these ten twelve year for two eighty three hundred mil. And it's like you know, they're going to be really awesome until maybe they're what, you know, you don't know, 35, 36, 37, but at some point they're going to start slowing down and they're just not going to be able to produce. And if that's for three or four years for your team and nobody's going to want to pay this guy. And at that point, he's such a veteran that you can't like just send him down to the minors. It's (laughs) just like, you just can't do that anymore. So it's, it's really hard to like, um, know because then it's like, is it really worth, signing um this guy because you know he'll be really good for your team for the next five six years like you know you see, you'll see that with the judge this offseason whoever gets him um but he's already 30 and he's having a historic year but he's gonna you know he's probably gonna want to be paid till he's 40 42 you know and like some team whoever it is will get him for and he'll get they'll probably get a really great player for the next five or six years but then that's really going to slow down. And then you have four or five years of this guy who's just <laughs> going to really struggle. Like he's going to strike out a lot. He's going to lose his power. He's going to lose his knees. And, you know, you, you just, you never know. Like, so I, I think it's hard to know like whether it's actually worth it. Cause you know, for now it seems great. You get this awesome player, you get the fans excited. It's great. But down the road, it's really going to hurt. I don't know. It's just hard to know. You know, that's what made the Freddie Freeman situation a little bit more palatable for me, I should say, because Olsen's younger and we signed about an eight year. I don't see think there's anything wrong with those eight years, guys, to be honest with you. Like yeah. if you can get in and out of there for these eight year contracts, that seems advantageous to the player and to the team, in my opinion. Like they both get more bites at the apple. And I think Caleb brought up a good point in the sense that you don't want to get stuck with a guy. And that wasn't even an aspect that I was thinking about, but that's something that very much happens, right? You get yeah. just stuck with a guy that maybe can still put the butts in the seats, signing autographs as the fan guy, but not give you the contributions on the field that you're looking for, you know? Yeah. Yeah. And yeah, I mean, I, th- I think that you said eight year contracts, you know, five to eight years, that's, that's both doable. And I think appealing. If you look at teams like 
we were talking about super contracts, but if you look at teams on the other end of the spectrum, like I'm talking from the, about the Oakland A's, who can never <laughs> tie anyone down long term, that also doesn't work. You can't say, oh, you know, we'll sign this guy who's going to be good for two years, then we'll trade him off and get a prospect. That prospect isn't going to be ready for another few years, and by the time he's ready, you have no idea how he's actually going to play when he reaches the big leagues. You can you you can you can project, you can predict, you you know, you might be on the dot. You, Likely, he's maybe a little bit less. You know, not everybody's a, a full-fledged superstar. Uh, there are great players and good players, but not everyone's a superstar. So when you go the opposite way and you don't do any super contracts, you don't do anything more than f- four years, then you have no future. You have no, no uh, sustainable su- sustainability. Um, and that's when you lose fans. That's when you lose uh, interest in the sport. That's when you lose games and you lose seasons i mean is are about to have a losing season for uh yeah after i think three or four winning seasons in a row um so um it's interesting i think that there has to be a balance somewhere in there that uh, the front office has to decide on yeah now going back to the tati situation that you were um referencing in this um that's just tragic in my opinion because the guy's already been missing right and and mm. if you're in that fan base you're salivating at the thought of that lineup that you're putting together and you're very happy to trade deadline. Right. So I think that you're still happy because now at least you got Soto, right? Imagine not even having Soto at this point. So you, you at least have Soto, but it's not what you anticipated. And um, another good point that was brought up earlier, this isn't even a playing situation. This isn't about a, a play, your play decreasing or your, your talent starting to diminish. This is just something that happens and goes to the, um, unpredictability of these like 10 to 15 year contracts. Yeah, it uh, really is tragic. I think it's a good way to put it. There's just, <laughs> there's no way to, I mean, injuries, also the injuries, I don't remember exactly, Caleb, maybe you remember me, Reggie, but the injuries are kind of weird, right? They were like, uh, what was it, like a motorcycle accident or something? He was being a little yeah. bit reckless maybe with his in his off time. Baseball is good for this man. People <laughs> slipping in showers and stuff, missing whole seasons. Like, <laughs> yeah. uh, who is it that I think Chris Sale fell off his bike or something recently and <laughs> broke his wrist, and now he's out for the season. Which uh, I mean, you got to feel for the guy, man. That guy is uh, he's really not having a good time this year. That's a uh, it's really yeah. unfortunate. But yeah, with Tatis, it's yeah, like you said, it, it was it's so unpredictable. And then to have the uh, head suspension, eighty games is significant amount yes it's um i mean what are you going to do obviously at least you know he's not injured so you kind of have the hope that okay after 80 games he'll be back better than ever and then you get to see that padres lineup that everyone was really looking forward to but i mean that's a whole year who knows maybe this was the year (laughs) so you can't maybe say you can't uh tie tie soto down like um like they're hoping to then You've essentially wasted a year where you could have had Tati, Soto, Machado, you know, beefing up that lineup. Man. Yeah. Yeah, I think it's tough because it speaks to like the unpredictability of tying these young guys down to these long deals because it's like, I mean, you never, you can't predict something like this, but the Tati situation is a little bit different because, you know, he, um, you know, the motorcycle accident is a bit like, okay, like, why are you still riding a motorcycle, like, as, you know, this superstar? And then as well, like, you know, when he got asked about it, he just was like, oh, which one? Like, which accident? Like, because he got asked which accident caused 
like did his motorcycle accident cause his broken wrist he's like oh which one you know it's like so clearly he gets in a lot of wrecks and it's a bit like okay like he's just a very kind of reckless guy and then you know now he gets busted for using steroids and it's like okay well it's just like it's a big disappointment to the fans to the organization Mm -hmm. um but it's also like to his teammates like his teammates were really upset and were basically just telling him he needed to grow up like this is stupid and like you know they need him back and they the guy they want to have you know 23 24 year old superstar who is just such a good hitter, hits a lot of home runs, hits for a lot of, gets a lot of hits just too. And I mean, he's, you know, he doesn't play awesome defense, but you know, he's there and it's just, it's tough. And I think that um, I don't really, I, I don't think it really means teams shouldn't sign guy, young guys like that long-term, but um, it's just something to think about when maybe they don't have the best behavior track record or seem a little reckless in their outside life, you know, compared to baseball. Do you guys think that these small market teams are more forced into these decisions? Because with the Tatis signing, as much as I don't like these 10 to 15 year contracts, Padres have to do it. They have to sign this guy, right? There's they, they don't get, they're not a Yankees or a Dodgers. They don't, you don't get the luxury of letting a guy like Tatis walk out of there and have another guy walk in. You know what I mean? So for these small market teams, it's, it's unfortunate but I feel like they're kind of, they're more so forced into these longer deals than some of the other teams where they're have a legacy of, of stars and hall of famers there, you know? Yeah, I think I, I'd say you're probably right on that. It, it probably depends on what stage the club is in. For sure. So say the, the Padres, I mean, they had Machado, but if you're looking to kind of build something, um, build like a, like a dynasty sort of team, I think, there is a lot of pressure to do it, like you said. And it's not just that you have Tatis, but um, I think like you mentioned earlier, there's also when you have someone like that on your team, then you have like the added appeal of other players, other free agents of, hey, you know, maybe I get to play with this guy. Maybe I get to play with, you know, this star on on, on the lineup and Absolutely. maybe you get a World Series ring too. So um, I'd say there is a lot of pressure there, but that the benefits would extend more to just having that player i think it's a big statement to the other clubs to other free agents other players also to your fans um when you manage to do that for a young guy like we mentioned earlier if you're doing that for some guy who's going to be 42 by the end of the contract (laughs) it's a little bit strange (laughs) right but yeah all right um y'all have anything else on the uh, super contract discussion uh, besides just not liking them, I'm still just can't. Mm-hmm. I, I, you know, guys, I would settle for that eight year. I think eight years because eight years, given in the context of other sports, is still an extremely long time. You yeah. know what I mean? Given the con, so baseball with an eight year situation would still be longer than the other leagues, and still you could yeah. still lock up a guy for a decent chunk of his prime in eight years. You know, mm-hmm. um, so that's what where I would hope things would move. But I get making these moves if if you're just competing with other teams that are making them you don't want to offer a guy eight years other teams often almost double in the amount of years so this is what you got to do to keep up so i understand it yeah Yeah. i think another thing like last thing that just makes it interesting if you compare it to like the nba where you know it's like guys there don't ever get deals like 10 plus years is so unheard of (laughs) like you know i think it was nikola Jokic or whoever got like 252 million dollars this offseason 
And that was the biggest deal in like NBA history. And I was like, what? Because then you got Mike Trout in baseball. It was like $440 million deal. <laughs> and you're like, what? Like, that's it? And like, I think it's interesting, the NBA, because like, you know, you have these awesome players. And obviously it's a much, there's, a, there's only five players on the court. But like, I just think it's so interesting that there's a lot of turnover. You know, you see guys, you know, LeBron James and, you know, Kawhi Leonard or just a few guys recently named you see them change teams a lot and sure. like um and some guys stay stay on the same team you know you've got your Steph Curry you've got Giannis but like you know you see guys switch teams every two to three years and like make all these other teams good and it's like I don't know it's kind of fun it's kind of competitive so I think that's something interesting like I, I guess for me it's like imagine a baseball like that where you know it's like you know you might somebody might have I don't know, Ronald Acuna Jr., you know, for two, three years. And then, oh, my goodness, he's on the Padres bulking up their even bigger super team. And then, oh, right. now he's on the Rays. You know, like, I don't know. It's just like it'd be interesting to see teams make pushes for things like that. But it's just interesting that baseball is so much more long term. Like it's like baseball is like looking for a forever mindset. Um, yes. Whereas, you know, it's just paying them a lot for a couple of years. But it's interesting. Do you guys have any theories as to why that is? Do you think maybe it has to do with like the, the way the sport is played? Because if I'm thinking it's easier to see a, let's say like a, yeah, a 42-year-old playing baseball yeah, as opposed to, you know, running, running up and down the, the, the basketball court just because of how the sport is played, right? It's, it's of course, they're both athletes, but the, uh, say the, um, so we're, the, uh, Maybe the athleticism that it takes is different, is very different as opposed to in basketball. And in baseball, you have different rules. Say there's a guy, you know, older guy who can't run the bases anymore. Okay, put him as a DH and then, um, you know, hope that 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 bat carries you. So um, that could be part of it. I haven't looked into this, but. I think that is uh, just due to the nature of not like. With baseball, I think I look at baseball just due to the farm system and everything. It's just being like longer time. Like you could have somebody in a farm system for the by the that would be a veteran in the NBA by the time they get called up into into baseball. If you were to look at some of the contracts that are given to some of the superstars in basketball, these contracts can be around two hundred million dollars for like five years. So if you were to play that out fifteen years, that's a six hundred million dollar contract now. You know what I mean? If you were to look at it the same way uh, as what yeah. the baseball contracts are on the per annuals. So these guys are making 40, $50 million a year. So it's kind of like, um, I think the fact that you can, you know, uh, Pascal, you brought up a good point. In fact, of how physical the game is, I can imagine signing a basketball player to a 10 or 15 year contract, you know, it's just, it, it's unimaginable. And I think the last player that I know signed a deal like that was Magic Johnson. He signed the 10 year contract. He's making like a million a year. <laughs> that, was, that, was, that was like, uh, that was, he was rich, man. You know, he'd make $10 million over this 10 year, 10 year contract. Um, so you see just how things can change so differently because in the NBA, not only can the player change, you have, um, legacies and dynasties that change you know it could yeah. be the spurs it could be the bulls it could be the the warriors like the, if you had said the warriors would have been a dynasty 10 or 15 years ago people would have laughed at you you know <laughs> they've been a dynasty for like 70 years <laughs> seven eight years so i think that yeah, they just yeah. work and the, you, meanwhile you juxtapose that with the yankees who haven't lost in 30 years it's just a very yeah. different landscape you know that's true yeah that's true that's true all right well uh 
We uh, at Fried Chicken Dingers, we love to kind of wrap up our episodes, kind of just looking forward. You know, the baseball season is still uh, still going. There's still some some regular season left before we hit the uh, playoffs. But maybe let's. Uh, I don't know. What do you guys think of the playoff picture right now? Who are you? Who do you got? Who are your favorites? Um, what are we looking at come October? Yeah. I think for me, I, I honestly, I mean, the Dodgers have just picked it up so much recently wow. that I think they're going to be super hard to beat. I, I, I don't know if they're my World Series favorites, but I think the, I think them and the Mets, to be honest, will wow, probably Wow, as a Yankees in. fan, huh? That's like blasphemy know, right there. I know, I know. Like, that's the thing. Like, I'm a Yankees fan, but it's like, I'm also a realist. So it's a bit me like, too. they're so <laughs> good, too. man. And um, it's just like, and I think I think that maybe my surprise team would maybe be the Braves. Like again, um, I could see them doing really well in the postseason again. Um, but you know, the Dodgers, like I, I guess I questioned them a little earlier on in the season because you know they were good, but they were 10, 15 games over 500. You know, Max maybe 20 for the Yankees were like 30, 35 games over. And it was like, all right, you know, are these guys really as good as they you know promised that they were? But now that they've picked it up so much, it's just like yeah, okay, they're really, really good. Like their lineup is really tough to beat. They got a lot of contact guys, a lot of power guys, and they're they're just really mm-hmm. good. So I think for me, that's who I'm looking at. And um, yeah, and and I'll, I think I think in the AL, I think the Yankees still have a chance to do well. I think that they've you know they're having a better year than they've had. Um, you know they've had good years recently. I think this is maybe the best of them so far. And um, yeah, I think they could they could go far. Um, another team to watch is obviously the Astros. They just mm. seem to know what they're doing when it comes to the playoffs. And, um, oh, you know, they're able to make deep runs. And I think that I still think for now, it's still Yankees and Astros to watch out for in the AL. Um, but I think that's what I'm thinking. I think that's pretty spot on, actually. Um, yeah. Because uh, it both of these leagues are top heavy, man, in the sense of like, it's like three teams and then everybody else yeah. in, in these leagues, you know. And right. when you're looking at the AL, um it's pretty much a Yankees Astro show here. You know, yeah. uh, you look at some of the other teams and I think you just have hope there with the other teams versus the realism of the Yankees Astro situation. Yeah. Now we're still in yeah. such a point in the season where teams can catch on and like the Braves are good for that. And some other teams can catch on late. Um, but AL wise, it's Yankees Astros. Um, NL wise, um, it's Dodgers and everybody else. <laughs> for the most part but only because a couple of things too guys is that we were just discussing how perfect their team seems like this is like a just a great team like you, it's hard to find holes um they got their 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 arms are together they're they got the most runs scored you know like it's they're in a yeah. great season right now be surprised um of course i do hope that the braves come on here late i like the team yeah. uh and i hope they come on late uh, but it's just that the Mets in our head-to-head games against them has been disappointing yeah. as of late. Um, so if we had, let's say that it was switch guys and we had won those games or, or showed, had a little bit better showing mm-hmm. against the Mets, but they just seem to put things in perspective and show considerable distance between us and them when we had a head-to-head. Yeah. So I'm going to go with the same here. Um, I think it's the Dodgers to lose. They got a 70% winning percentage right now. They're winning 70 <sighs> percent of their games <laughs> that's just like little league stuff i don't even understand how that's happening but um it's just theirs theirs to lose and then the mets could come nipping maybe in there as well yeah 
Yeah, I, I find it very hard to disagree with anything you guys are saying. I, I, it is maybe too early to have World Series picks, but you can never, never erase the Dodgers from that uh, from that prediction. And like you guys said, the uh, the other teams, the Astros and the Yankees and the AL and the uh, the Mets, absolutely crushing it. But of course, Atlanta. Like I said, there's a lot of a lot of late magic that happens in Atlanta, so um, definitely wouldn't count them out yet. But uh, I got to know, do you guys think the um, uh, two teams I see a lot in the uh, headlines coming into the playoff picture, Seattle, who have not made the playoffs in forever, and Baltimore, who seemingly came out of nowhere. Do you guys think they're making the playoffs this year? Oh, I don't have a lot of trust in either of those teams. Like, it's, <laughs> I trust Seattle more than I trust Baltimore. Tell you that. But uh, it would be – it's it's anything's possible at this stage in that we are because I don't think either one of those teams are like bottom feeder teams. So mm. anything is possible, but I would be shocked if the Baltimore made any kind of serious playoff run. It would be shocking to me. Mm. Yeah. Well, I think it's shocking enough that they're even in a playoff run. Like forget that they're actually like the season end of the day that they'd be in the playoffs. Like just that they're anywhere near a playoff spot is crazy. <laughs> right. And the fact that they're actually in one, I was like, wow. If they Especially. went far, I think people would just like spontaneously combust. Like that's just insane. <laughs> um, yeah. I think, I think the Mariners, the yeah, I think the Mariners have a realistic shot at making the playoffs. Like I think that now that they're three wildcard teams, I could see them doing it. I think the Blue Jays most likely will. I could see the Mariners doing it. And then I, I honestly think um, it'll be interesting because um with the al central to see but i the orioles could totally do it as of right now they're playing great baseball but that could easily change in a month um so um because they're still you know as the season's a little bit longer this year than it normally is at least like calendar wise so um there's still a decent bit of time left you still got over a month and a half of baseball at this point and um it's just there's a lot of time left so i think that the mariners could probably hold on i think they've got a pretty good team um, but I, I wouldn't be surprised if one of the, you know, Guardians, Twins, or White Sox um, made a decent push for that third spot, um, and the Orioles fall fall off, you know, the pace that they're on right now a little bit. Um, but that's my opinion. Yeah, I yeah, agree. nothing yeah. to add to that from my side. I agree with that yeah. totally. So it's a great wrap up. Alrighty, well, uh, if there's nothing else, I guess uh, that about wraps up this episode of Fried Chicken Dingers uh thank you so much reggie for uh joining yeah, thank it's you. been a real pleasure man um, it's been awesome to be on and talk some baseball you guys don't know how long i've been waiting to get this out of my system nobody <laughs> wants to talk baseball in my life this has been amazing thanks guys for having me on oh for sure man it's oh, been man. great and uh welcome anytime that's what we're here for talking baseball <laughs> that's yeah, all we amen. Do. Amen. um yes yeah, uh yeah this has been fried chicken dingers as always you can find us on spotify apple Podcasts, wherever you get your podcasts and be sure to check us out on instagram facebook twitter and of course myspace <laughs> um <laughs> thank you to uh to reggie johnson again uh check yeah, out his podcast yeah, just so the stats for um yeah some baseball talk also a bunch of other sports talk uh and we'll see you guys next time <laughs>